Hello and welcome to Elevate to Success, discussions on project management and leadership ideas, tips and techniques of being a project manager, agile practitioner, or a leader in your organization. So let's go. Lloyd, this is part two of the three-part DevOps um, podcast series. And uh, if you recall, in part one, we uh, we talked about the need for DevOps and we started talking about the uh, the value stream identify the steps and to uh, estimate the process time, the lead time, add those up, and then you have your uh, your total process time, your total lead time, and you do a little division, divide them, and you got your activity ratio. And then you also calculate your uh, percent complete and accurate. That's the, the, you know, when you hand off to the next guy, what percentage of the time is he gonna ask for rework? And so if it's perfect, it's 100%. If it's uh, um, if it's uh, always needing rework, then it's zero percent. You know what percent of the time is complete and accurate, and so then you actually multiply those against each other to get what's called a rolled complete and accurate. And so that's going to identify your um, your your pain points. And so now I'm going to start talking about the uh, the DevOps radar and how we can optimize that. And we have uh, four sub quadrants inside of that quadrant and that's uh hypothesize collaborate and research architect and synthesize what can we do to optimize those well for synthesize for, for hypothesize um the purpose of doing this is to define the hypothesis to be validated through the continuous delivery pipeline and so uh the, the skills that we need to have are you need to understand the lean startup methodology and innovation accounting it uh, and so we want to put our work in the form of an epic and along with that epic hypothesis statements uh mvps to prove or disprove the hypothesis and so you know this course we're going to roll through a lot of concepts high level that you know almost every concept i talk about could be a, a much deeper discussion so then um the next thing that we have to talk about is the lean startup and that's where we, um, the Lean Startup Cycle focuses on identifying the viability of ideas. It follows a plan, do, check, adjust cycle, just like with teams, but at a, at a higher level. And so then we identify the MVP, the minimum viable product to establish a baseline to test our assumptions and gather objective data. And then we evaluate that hypothesis. If the benefit of the hypothesis has been proven true, then the value streams will implement more features. If the hypothesis is proven false, then a decision needs to be made to either pivot without mercy or guilt uh, with a new hypothesis or stop the work altogether. And so the faster uh, a company can go through that cycle, the more successful they can be because they can throw out the trash and focus on the good stuff. So, so Alan, is, is that during the development cycle? Is that, is, or is this? like towards the, the front in the planning piece of it? Well, so that's the thing is, uh, uh, you know, traditional, um, you know, agile and people who really don't understand the whole DevOps, it, uh, uh, it's a value stream. Um, an operational value stream is ordered to cash and a development value stream is idea to measure. And so DevOps starts at the idea stage. And so um, that's why we have to build in this, uh, um, this first quadrant of, uh, uh, of continuous exploration. So we need to get our ideas um, 
to the next step as quickly as possible. And so that's all part of DevOps. And so it, uh, you know, when you have IT operations that they can develop stuff really quickly, but it takes, it takes the, the waterfall portfolio management, you know, three months to decide what they want to build. Well, you're sub-optimizing that way. It, uh, you're, you're not optimizing as a whole. And so that's a violation of the systems approach in SAFE, which is principle number two. So we want to look at from idea to measure. That's what we're going to focus on optimizing the whole stream. So, so then the next thing we have to look at is what's called innovation accounting. That's going to be our leading indicators. New products and new features are hard to measure by traditional accounting standards. We don't want to use ROI. That's a lagging indicator. So when defining an MVP, a minimum viable product, it's important to use metrics that will validate its success or failure. It's important to focus on metrics that demonstrate real customer engagement, not vanity metrics. So it, uh, uh, we need to understand a metric where we can quickly decide that our idea is on track or not on track. And so if you're building a website, you put up the new website, uh, we don't have any orders for new shoes yet, but we have a lot of traffic. Well, that's potentially a good sign. And so it, uh, and we gotta, you know, move to the next level of evaluation, but, but we wanna identify um, early metrics uh, for, for what we're building. So in a, in a, um, a lean business case, you're gonna have, um, leading indicators which will leverage innovation accounting and then you will have business outcomes and that's the longer term goal of the uh, of the epic the big piece of work and those should be tied to okrs so then um you know once we've hypothesized on something we need to collaborate and research the purpose of this is to uh, work with multiple stakeholders to understand the customer's needs because we don't want to build some fantastic thing that our customers don't want. So we need to make sure that it is something that they want. And we need to engage with uh, uh, the UX folks, lean UX folks, ideally, and research, whether it's market research or uh, internal research, trade uh, trade journals, you know, uh, independent surveys, that kind of thing. We need to make sure we're on track with building something they want. You know, like 20 years ago, nobody would have bought an electric car, but now it's uh, it's the hot thing. That's, you know, that's kind of true. It makes sense where you have to uh, connect with stakeholders or people to say in the business and marketing side, just to get an idea of what they're envisioning in terms of, uh, you know, new product development or in, in, you know, making sure that you guys or the engineering and marketing in the business are aligned together yes. in terms of, you know, like creating innovation. Absolutely, Lloyd. You know, you're actually uh, giving me ideas for our next podcast. Um, the Agile product management class focuses on customer centricity. So we need to focus like a laser beam on the customer. And, and so that's a whole another Agile skill. Okay, so let's right. move on and, and, and talk briefly about Lean UX. That's the, the Lean user experience is, is a mindset, a culture, and a process that implements functionality in minimum viable increments and determine success by measuring results against the benefit hypothesis. Oftentimes, we, we, we utilize Lean UX with low fidelity. Think of like a cardboard model of a building or a, 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 a model of a new race car. That's, that's low fidelity UX. It, uh, 
features must be broken into minimum marketable features. The minimum functionality of the teams can build to learn whether the benefit hypothesis is valid or not. So we're going to build a little model of a car and see what people think. And they're going to say, oh, man, I want this car. Okay, good. Let's build a bigger one. And then, so right. then as a combination of our research, we want to um, consolidate design thinking, is what I was talking about, um, explore the problem and solution spaces using personas, journey maps, empathy maps, and other agile product management techniques. That's a whole gigantic a whole area of discussion. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say that's a whole new new segment of, of discussion regarding outside of what we're talking about right now. Yeah, it, and it's, it's one of the hot things now, design thinking. And then also, you can't overlook customer visits and Gemba walks. That comes from um, uh, lean thinking of in the place. It, uh, uh, Taichi Ono said, nothing good was ever designed at a desk. Go talk to the customer. If you're an insurance company, talk to, talk to your agents, talk to the customers. If you're a trucking company, go talk to the companies that order your stuff. If you're a hospital, go talk to the doctors, talk to some patients, find out what, what they're experiencing, what their pain points are. And then elicitation, that's where there are a variety of structured elicitation techniques that can be used, such as interviews, surveys, competitive analysis, requirements, workshops, use case modeling. Maybe uh, your competitor, you actually have a little agreement where you share information. Well, that's elicitation. Trade studies, um, teams engage in trade studies to determine the most practical characteristics of a solution. So, so we're going to use every available tool to um, synthesize our hypothesis. So the, the purpose is to architect for continuous delivery in DevOps. The skills necessary, we need to develop our, our uh, models for testability. We need to separate, deploy, and release when we develop. We need to decouple release elements. We need to architect for operations. And we need to build in, at the very beginning, threat modeling. And so that's where you know uh, the, the technology folks need to be involved as early as possible. I was teaching an architecture class, and uh, we were talking about the, uh, the portfolio Kanban, the big um, Kanban where you're managing your epics. And, uh, uh, and, mm -hmm. I, was, and I was teaching them about uh, you know, leading indicators and business outcomes. And, and I said, how, they, how is an Epic owner, a new Epic owner gonna determine what are the business outcomes for this new application we're developing? And instantly a light clicked into this one guy's head. He said, well, it's gonna take an architect to understand the capability of the new system to identify that metric. And I said, I said bingo. And so that's where architecture needs to be involved early on. We architect for testability. Systems can't readily be tested, can't readily be changed. In a system that is designed for testability, all jobs require less time. Patterns that can accelerate the flow of value include uh, domain-driven design, DDD, loose coupling, and API-driven architecture. That's the latest thing, just uh, uh, you develop to an API. Cloud-native architecture, another new thing microservices and containerization, serverless architecture, strangler patterns to uh, eliminate uh, um, legacy applications. And so all those are very popular in, in DevOps right now. And then we need to 
have a, a goal of separating deploy from release. Um, uh, you put code into production, but behind a feature toggle, that's separating deploy from release. So separate deploy to production from release. Hide all new functionality under these feature toggles. Enable the ability to deploy and verify in production and release on demand at the discretion of the product owner. And then you need to decouple the release elements. Some things we're gonna release nightly, like a security patch. Other major upgrades we might release quarterly. And so you might have a different frequency or a different demand for these different types of releases. Different parts of the solution require different release strategies. Architect and solution to enable the various strategies and to shift them over time based on the business demand. If you have an iPhone, you know that uh, a security update might come at nighttime and you wake up in the morning, it's already done. But uh, um, I believe uh, they have quarterly updates and they'd let you know ahead of time. And depending on how big it is, you might have to you know, restart your phone and do all kinds of weird stuff. But uh, uh, the big releases are on a different timetable. And, and then we need to architect for operations, take operational needs into account build telemetry and logging capabilities into every application and into the solution as a whole. It, uh, uh, that's one of the foundational concepts of the safe interpretation of DevOps is uh, measure everything. And so we wanna build in applications that can do that. So allow services to be downgraded or even removed in times of high loads or in response to incidents. Say you got a travel website that uh, you click uh, uh, click a link and pictures of the hotel open up. Well, under super heavy loads where the servers are um, under high demand, maybe you uh, can you know, push a button and turn that off so that the server can uh, do a good job with, with less requirements. You know, I talk to teams and I, I come to work with them for the first time. I said, do you have uh, microservices uh, to support feature toggles? They go, well, we didn't build that in. Okay, fine. It, uh, uh, so you, you gotta build in this stuff sometimes from an intentional viewpoint at the beginning so that you, you have that flexibility later on. Well, you also have that, those measurements as well, too. Like you said, you know, we need to measure, get the metrics and measure. But if, if your infrastructure is not, you know, the way it's supposed to be, you know, if it wasn't thought of and it wasn't worked on, then you kind of skew your whole metrics of the deliverability of the product. So, yeah. you know, it, uh, um, safe interpretation of DevOps is calmer. Uh, culture of shared responsibility, uh, automation, uh, lean out your processes, measure everything. And so that way you can you can understand where your pain points are, where your bottlenecks, um, how much throughput you can handle. A nice degradation of capability can be enabled so that uh, your customers uh, might or might not even notice. And so, you know, like think of it like, you know, you um, depending on your plan uh, with your iPhone, after you go past, you know, 10 gigabytes, they, they throttle you back so that your, your phone still works because they gave you an unlimited plan, but it's working a lot slower. It, uh, uh, right. you can do that with the server. Exactly. If, uh, at Christmas time, maybe everybody was logging on to, uh, you know, book this hotel and the servers are, you know, they're about to crash. So, okay, so let's throttle back some capabilities so they still work, but they're, they don't have to do as much for each transaction. Okay. So then the next thing we have to build in is threat modeling. Information security considerations start early. 
identify potential security threats and attack vectors, architect to address security concerns, um, ensure backlogs reflect important security requirements. And so that's the, the latest new thing. One of the latest new things is called DevSecOps. So DevOps with security. So, you know, building in security uh, quickly at the earliest point of their year development. Great. So right. the next thing that yep. we're going to talk about is uh, um, synthesizing the vision, the roadmap, and the program backlog. That's where it all comes together right before it gets built. And so in order to do that, uh, the purpose of doing that is to synthesize, hypothesize, research, collaborate, and, and architecture in the vision, the roadmap, the backlog, and gain alignment with PI planning. And so that uh, actually is the uh, uh, the PI planning where everything comes together. So the skills there involve writing features, behavior development, BDD, economic prioritization. That's your way to show the job first, the WISCHIF, and and PI planning, the whole ceremony. And so feature writing is uh, is a skill. Typically, uh, the product manager writes the features. Uh, sometimes product owners have to write them too. Uh, sometimes architects need to write the enabler features because uh, uh, enabler is a, a supporting piece of technology work. Uh, it could be a story, a feature, or an epic, or even a capability if you have a solution level. But um, typically the architects write those. And so, but a, a feature is an industry standard term familiar to marketing and product management. It's bigger than a story, but smaller than an epic. And that would have a benefit hypothesis that justifies the feature implementation cost and provide business perspective when making scope decisions. There's gonna be an acceptance criteria, uh, might be bullet points, which are then used to write the stories and functional and non-functional requirements. Non-functional requirements, those are gonna be the uh, scalability, precision, like uh, for instance, you know, a, a non-functional requirement would be uh, two second response time, or you know, no, great, no, no more than two second response time you know, five decimal precision on on our uh, on our measurements. And, and so those sorts of things, and those have to get built out throughout the application. And so if uh, if one part of the application takes 10 seconds to respond, but the all the rest of the application takes one second, oh, we got a problem there. And so these features and non-functional requirements need to be able to fit into one program increment, a PI. Just like a story fits in an iteration, a feature needs to fit in a PI. So it's it really takes practice to write good features. But, uh, there's some there's some people that inexperienced that don't write good features, and that that drives to bad stories, and and then that that drives to bad execution. It uh, so it's really yep. important to write a good feature. And then the next thing we have to understand is uh, behavior driven development (BDD). That's where we build in test first approach to writing our requirements. Um, high performing teams will get into the habit of writing all of their sectors criteria in the format of given one then. Given, you know, the software is in a certain state, when a person clicks this thing, then we want this thing to happen. Okay, that's a given one then. It can be that can be automated and quickly passed or failed. And then we need to uh, have a good understanding of economic prioritization. That's our way to service job first. In a flow system, job sequencing is key 
to economic outcomes. And so with this process, we give preference to jobs that are shorter in duration and higher in cost of delay by using the weighted shortage job first. Think of two things we want to deliver and we can't decide which one we want to do first. Well, you want to do the one first that will cost you the most if you don't do it. So is there a, a, a compliance deadline where you're going to have a million dollars a day penalty if you don't deliver this thing on time? Is there a convention that you have to present to? Is there a, is com, or is a competitor about to come up with the same thing and you want to get it out quicker? It, uh, uh, that's where cost of delay comes in. And so the way to source up first approach is a way of understanding that cost of delay and focusing um, on the items that provide the best cost of delay reduction in the shortest amount of time. And so that's a whole other discussion to get proficient at it. But uh, uh, so that's high level. Right. In the PI planning, that's, you know, uh, uh, pretty much the whole world is doing remote PI planning now. And, and so most companies that do it remote are doing it over three days at uh, um, the original face-to-face -face PI planning, which yep. is uh, what it was originally designed for. It's a two-day event where input is going to be a set of, uh, of, of uh, highest priority features and ideally scored stories. And then the output is going to be each team is going to have a set of PI objectives and you're going to have a program board which identifies dependencies between the teams and and also uh, a roam board which identifies so that the risks are uh, resolved, owned, accepted or mitigated. And so you do all those things and then uh, that's the uh, continuous exploration. This is Elevate to Success, your host, Lloyd Philip B. with Infinity Bolt. For more information on how we can help you with your project management, coaching, as well as mentoring, you can go to my website at www.infinitybolt.com and send me an email. Please share this podcast and also tell a friend about us. Until then, keep it real. <laughs>